0: Hey guys, welcome to Let's Fucking Talk. I'm Lauren, and today I want to kind of dive into a book that I've been reading recently called The Purity Myth. And I kind of wanted to talk about the ideas that it covers and my perspectives on it, such as virginity, purity, sexual health. So I want to start off the episode by kind of diving into the beginnings of my sexual history and how it pertains to virginity and how sex is viewed and talked about um, by parents and schools. So I obviously went to Catholic school as you know if you've listened to previous episodes and naturally the idea of virginity for women is pushed aggressively And I want to say for women, because um, virginity doesn't even apply to males, like, truly. Um, And we were basically given abstinence-based sex education. Um, It was barely scientific, barely biological. Um, It's disturbing, honestly. And a lot of parents left it up to the school to give us the sex talk because parents are uncomfortable with those types of conversations. And that's kind of what most kids were left with. Um, my mom, we didn't necessarily like talk a ton about sex, but she, she was, my mom and I's relationship was always a gr- perfect balance of like mother, daughter, but friendship as well. And my mom had a rule where if I directly asked her any question, she would not lie to me. Um, obviously I'm sure she would try to give the best answer based on, like, what I was asking and how old I was to not be traumatizing to me, but she, at home, I wasn't hearing abstinence only, I was hearing that, you know, she herself had lost her virginity before marriage, um, and really what she stressed about sex was that it should be with someone you love and, you know... You know, the typical spiel. And so I I never uh, grasped onto what I was taught in school. I never thought that I had to wait until marriage. But I did always think that waiting for some amount of time would be valuable. And that it would be with someone that I loved. My first boyfriend was when I was 14 years old. And we're going to call him Jack. Jack was a friend of mine since I was literally five years old. We went to the same small Catholic school our whole lives. Our parents knew each other. And in ninth grade, we finally decided to date each other. We were, again, 14. And um, because of the way sex is talked about and the lack of talking about intimacy connection maturity like all those parts are missed and it's kind of just described as like something you do with someone you love well every fucking 14 year old thinks they're in love so sex was something that I was entertaining but because waiting was like what made you a nice lady I came up with I don't even know where the hell I got this from but I decided that a year was a good amount of time to wait Uh, Jack was a nice human and he dealt with a lot of bullshit from guys at school who like made fun of him for the fact that we weren't having sex and that he had to wait for me. And we got to the year mark. And again, not based on maturity or connection or intimacy or actually being ready, but based on the fact that we hit 365 days, I was like, okay, let's get it. Um... The first time I had sex, I could not believe that this was the thing everyone was hype about, that everyone wanted to do. I couldn't believe humans did this for pleasure. It was fucking terrible. It was painful. It was awkward. Sexy would be literally the last word on the list to describe it um and this is not me talking shit about jack this is literally two 14-year-olds i'm sorry we were 15 at the time two 15-year-olds trying to have sex with each other who again are not actually properly taught anything about sex so not good altogether we had sex maybe a couple more times and i shit you not within the- I got cut off by a phone call, so if this sounds weird, I apologize, but anyways, within the month of us having sex, he started to date my literal to God best friend at the time, Uh, so that was real special, and I think it totally reframed the way that I viewed sex. I was like borderline traumatized by this, and I realized that obviously all this talk about how valuable and special sex was, was bullshit. Um, he obviously didn't value that I had given this gift to him and my best friend didn't give a shit that this was the person that I had just had sex with. So, uh, it honestly led to probably about five years of what I would describe as a unhealthy relationship with sex. Um, After him, I dated someone whose name I'm not going to change because it literally, his name describes him, so it's important for you guys. His name was Chad. Um, He was a gem of a person. He was 17 years old, but somehow he was already like a full-blown drunk. Um, I dated him for a couple months. The only positive thing I can say is that when I did have sex with him, because again, I found no value in waiting or in connecting or being, like, in love. Um, he actually was the first person that I experienced good sex with. And when I say good, keep that keep that in perspective. I was still 16 years old with no actual knowledge of sex. But it, it at least, like, physically felt Tolerable and nice. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm understanding a little bit more now about why people have sex. Um, then after Chad, I dated uh, someone who we will call Sean. I ended up dating Sean for three years. And we were, he was like my first real long term boyfriend. And obviously we were having sex. And I will tell you, I don't know if it was teenage hormones, I don't know what the hell it was, but, like, sex was, like, the main event of our relationship, (laughs) and it's, like, kind of gross to think of now, because when I picture myself being 16 and 17, it's like picturing a little girl, so I'm like, ew. But anyways, um, we were, I don't know what was going on with this, but we went to the same high school, and literally from the beginning of the day till school got out, we would sexed each other aggressively all day not with pictures but with like descriptive paragraphs it makes me literally blush to think about um I don't speak that way now and I'm a grown woman so it was just something else and one day him and I had to do this uh volunteering thing after school and we dropped by my house first so I could change and I left my phone somewhere in the kitchen and like accidentally and whatever I realized that when we were on our way whatever it wasn't a big deal well it came upon me like a wave of doom and my I don't know it was like the strongest sense of intuition I've ever received but all of a sudden I fucking knew that my mom was going to find my phone, and she was going to go through it, and she was going to see the fucking text between me and Sean. I had no reason to actually think of this. It was purely intuition. Again, my mom and I had a great relationship. We still do. But um, she was never in my business. She did not invade my privacy. We were honest with each other. She she never suspected like anything bad of me. But for some reason, I fucking knew that this shit was going to happen. So I'm panicked this entire volunteer experience. I get back home. And, I mean, immediately I can tell that I was fucking right. My mom is acting so strange. She's, like, not making eye contact with me. And if I, like, anything I said, she responded with attitude. I could be like, hey, could I get a cup? And she would be like, oh, yeah, I'll get you a cup. I'm like, oh. So we went on like this for like hours in the house and I was like it was like torture like I just I wanted to fucking talk about it like at some point you just want to address it and like just fucking get it over with. So eventually I was like mom you're acting weird as shit something is wrong go ahead talk about it. At this point I obviously blacked out because I have no recollection of the actual conversation but what I know is that she did go through my phone and she did see the text messages. To this day, I am sad for her. That has to be, like, top five worst ways to catch your kid having sex other than, like, seeing it with your eyes. Uh, Again, the texts were just, like, fucking gross. And that's so traumatizing. It's so traumatizing. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for her. And where I, like, come out of my blackout, and what I remember is that we walked outside because, I don't know, we had to, like, go outside and make it more serious. She, the first thing she said to me was, I thought you were better than Amber. Amber was her friend's niece, and we talked about her a lot because she had just moved in with her friends um, because she was having a lot of trouble. She was, like, 12 or 13. She was a victim of sexual assault, sadly, and she was coping with it by being, like, hypersexual, So her parents had sent her to her uncle's house to like get better or whatever. So it was something we talked about a lot. And that was kind of the first time that I was really shamed and made to feel uh, guilty about sex. Um, Like it was a comparison. Like I used to be better than Amber and now I wasn't because me and Amber are the same because we had sex. I don't know, but I was like, "Uh, girl, me and Amber are two different people. What are we talking about Amber for? So, and it was a letdown because, again, of the type of relationship me and my mom had. Um, And she had always been the mom that wanted me to be honest and wanted me to tell her when when I did have sex. Granted, I was not honest. I did not come to her first, and she did find out in a significantly more shitty way. <laughs> so I, I understand all sides of it, but it uh, it had an effect on me. How she viewed it and how she viewed me had an effect on it. So uh, as luck would have it, a couple weeks after we uh, first had this conversation, uh, oh, not to mention in the conversation, she wanted to know if Sean was the first person I had sex with. Uh, I couldn't lie, but I couldn't be fully honest. I hope she doesn't hear this. She might. I'm so sorry. Um the I told her that I did have sex with Jack. I could not tell her about Chad because she fucking hated that person. She thought he was disgusting and he kinda was. So I, I, I just I couldn't tell her that. I just said, Yep, yeah, Jack and Sean. And I just thought that was more tolerable because Jack and Sean were both like really nice humans that I had like an act like I had actually had somewhat lengthy relationships with so um but even then when she found out that i had sex with jack she was fucking shook she couldn't believe it she thought his parents were so religious and the only reason that she took me to his house was because she figured that his parents would be the ones that were like watching us like hawks that we'd never be alone and she described it as she felt that she had fed me to the lion's so again, giving me a perspective on sex and and shaming it and how horrible it was that that happened. So anyways, two weeks later, I happened to have a previously scheduled um, gynecologist appointment. And I had been going to the gynecologist for years for totally separate issues, not having to do with sex, um, but... If you don't know this, when you go to a gynecologist, especially when you're younger, they frequently ask you about your uh, sexual history, which to this date, if anyone who has like any kind of medical knowledge wants to fucking tell me why you're a gynecologist, one asks you about your sex life, but then requests the number of partners you've had, if there's any medical reason, holler at me, I'm so fucking curious. So anyways, they always asked, are you sexually active? And... I was, again, like, 16, so my mom would go to the doctor with me and be in the room with me, and we went to this appointment, and my doctor asked the question, are you sexually active? Before I can, like, inhale to answer, my mom goes, yep, and I'm like, okay, and my doctor, like, obviously felt the tension in the room, and she was like, okay, Um, and she very nicely said, you know, normally, once you become sexually active is when we want to start doing a pap smear if that's something that you want to schedule. Now, for those of you, again, who don't know, if you don't know what a pap smear is, please take a journey onto Google and enjoy. It's scary for someone who's... I mean, it's scary for someone who already has had it, but it's scary for someone who hasn't had it because it's kind of like this big monster that eventually you'll have to do, and it's scary, and it's uncomfortable, and it can be painful. So I was scared of it, and again... Before I can even inhale to answer or ask a question, my mom says, Yep, schedule it as soon as possible. So I'm like, okay, this bitch is really on some shit today. And I'll never forget that I left that appointment, like, really fucking devastated and disappointed. Because, again, not that it was in the proper way, but I was finally honest with my mom. And she was using this opportunity to um, react out of her emotional place and essentially was punishing me and making making sure that I knew you know this is what happens when you have sex you want to have sex well here it is and again that stuff makes marks on your brain and how you view yourself and how you view sex um, so that's kind of the beginnings of my sexual history um, And now I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the book and the ideas that it covers. So again, the book is called The Purity Myth. It's by Jessica Valenti. And as much as I would love to sit here and read it from cover to cover, we might be here for like six hours. And uh, I don't have that kind of energy. So I'm just going to go over some of the topics that stuck out the most So she spends a really good amount of time in the beginning of the book talking about the fact that she wanted to explore this idea of purity and virginity, and again, how it applies to women, because it really only applies to women. Um, And one of the things she found with her research and talking to um, other people who cover these same topics is that there is no true definition of virginity, even from a scientific perspective, and here's my cat with her opinion. Hi, thank you for joining. Please be quiet. So <laughs> anywho? Um so yeah, so she talks about how there's really no definition, and she talked to another researcher who frequently got questions from women asking. Like, I did XYZ. Am I still a virgin? Like, there's so many different variations of what is considered to be a virgin, especially, you know, in different religions. Um, We all have heard the stories and the jokes about girls who will do every single thing you can come up with except for uh, vaginal penetration and claim to be virgins. So, the whole thing is a little confusing. Um, and when she did find definitions of virginity, it absolutely always mentioned women. Um, she found, what were some of the words? She found definitions of virginity that read, um, that a virgin is a religious woman, um, just very strange terms to be describing people and their sex life. Um, I'm also going to go, there was a couple of things that I actually underlined that I wanted to quote from the book. So this book is a little bit older. It was written, um, in the earlier 2000s. So she mentions that in 2006, there was more than 1,400 purity balls where young girls pledged their virginity to their fathers at a prom-like event. She goes on to say that the balls are usually federally funded. Surprise, surprise. The government is back in women's business and what they do with their bodies. So I just want to stress how bizarre it would be to pledge your body and your virginity to your father. Like if that doesn't make you uncomfortable. uh, You should maybe take some time to think about the stuff we've been taught. I don't think it's wrong. N- no opinion is wrong. But you do have to challenge the stuff that you've been taught from the beginning. Um, before. So this is actually the second time I read this book. The first time I read this book was in college. And uh, I didn't finish it at the time but my roommate had left it in front of my door and said I think you'd like it and even as someone who was open sexually I never really thought about the idea of virginity and purity and kind of the unfairness of it until I read this book because we're taught so many things from a young age and then those things are perpetuated over and over and over in society, through our families, through our groups, churches, whatever it might be. And unless you take the time to really think about it, those ideas just kind of stay with you if you don't challenge them. And like many things that we come across in life, this book was one of those things that stated something blatantly obvious, but it wasn't obvious at the time yet to me. So... It was just really shocking to kind of really think about and realize how virginity and purity only applies to women and how deeply it can impact women. Um, so I'm going to go back to the book and quote some other good parts. So she says here, um, it's time to teach our daughters that their ability to be good people depends on their being good people, not on whether or not they're sexually active. Um, She also goes into describing her own experience with losing her virginity and how at the time, and I think probably still, when you're in high school and you're at that age where people are starting to be sexual, women are literally divided by those who will have sex and those who won't have sex. And there's positives and negatives put on both types of girls, and it's very fucking confusing. And she has a perfect way... The author has a perfect way of wording that. So she says, what are young women left with? Abstinence only education during the day and girls gone wild commercials at night. A woman's worth lies in her ability or her refusal to be sexual. So again, it was like, I'll never forget in high school, if someone, you know, openly knew that certain girls were having sex, they were maybe more popular. They were cooler, but they were also the same people who were called sluts. So as women, we're constantly getting mixed messages about sex. Um, And I think that as, so as parents, again, I'm not a parent and I am not giving parenting advice. I have not experienced being a parent. So I could very well say all this shit right now and 10 years down the road when it's my turn to act on it, I might have the same struggles, but I think it's really uncomfortable for parents to talk about sex with their kids, and I completely understand why. Um, I've had experiences where I had a friend who had a little sister, but I had been part of their family since I was very young, and this person was also like my little sister, and I'll never forget, the first time she had sex, I wanted to die and cry so I know the feeling of someone being like a little baby to you and being so innocent and then knowing they had sex and I can't even imagine what it feels like if it's your actual kid but I think it's one of those opportunities and one of those challenges where you can really step up as a parent and challenge yourself while also giving your child something super valuable um sage please with with the chatter if you're going to be in the studio, we can't be chatting. So, I think what would be really beneficial, first of all, is if... If you hear this, and you're a parent, and you don't agree with what I'm saying, and you think that your children should be taught abstinence, and that... um You know, there doesn't need to be, like, an in-depth conversation about sex and intimacy and all of that. That's fine. Again, I'm not giving parenting advice. But you damn well better make sure that you're giving your boys and your girls the same advice. I think it's twisted that there are parents who have both daughters and sons and give them separate advice. So, like, if boys are generally getting uh sex talked about in a way that's more open and more encouraging like boys are more encouraged to have sex and it's like sons you know high five their sons when they have sex who do you think the majority of boys are having sex with your daughters so rise and shine okay wake up stop treating boys and girls differently when it comes to sex And there is no good excuse, and I've heard every, not every parent, I've heard many parents say, it's just different. She's a girl. It's not different. You are making it different. Uh, At the end of the day, both girls and boys are going to have sexual experiences. If you don't want to give them the proper tools and you want to teach girls only about abstinence, you're setting your daughter up for a lot of hardship and a lot of failure in sex, okay? Um... Again, I'm not a parent and I'm not giving parenting advice, but I hope and I pray that I stick to this when I become a parent and when I'm put to the test. I am coming from experience as to what I think would have been the best uh, conversation and education for me. Um, I, every single girl I know, had no pleasure in their sexual, true pleasure in their sexual experiences until they were in their late 20s. And that's if they even have had pleasurable experiences. Um, And I mean fully. Sex on a physical level feels good, kind of regardless of what's going on otherwise. Um, Obviously, there's varying levels of what people find to be pleasurable and what is good or not for everyone's different. But what I wish our conversations looked like with both boys and girls, when we're talking about sex is about emotion and intimacy and pleasure. Um, I know it's probably disgusting for parents to think about their children having sex. And I get it, especially daughters, but If you love your child and you want them to have all these good parts of life, you really should consider that you want them to also have positive sexual experiences. And teaching, again, all kids but girls, that pleasure is important. And setting boundaries is important. And telling people what you like and don't like is important. If you could have those conversations... Uh, avoiding those conversations doesn't mean your kid's not going to have sex. They're just going to have the wrong kind. So seriously, if you could do your kids a favor and actually teach them something about intimacy and sex, you might even actually, like, get more of the results you want as far as your kid being sexually healthy and not um being promiscuous in an unhealthy way. Um... I know it's uncomfortable to think about, but if you could have really honest conversations with your children and someone had ever really sat down with me and told me that it's okay to tell people what you like and don't like, and it's okay, like, you're also supposed to be getting pleasure. It's not only about the other person. It would just have resulted in better experiences for me. And, again, when when you're only teaching abstinence... (sighs) The reality is that very rarely are you, is that going to be followed? So, when all you've given your kids is the talk about sex is that you don't have sex, it's just not good. And that's when people become super vulnerable to negative experiences. That's when people have boundary issues with saying no or getting what they want out of sex. And this book really. Highlights the damage that happens when all you're talking about, especially against women, is virginity and purity. Um, it's it's just not good. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you kind of my perspective on uh, sex and how people use it. I absolutely hate the word slut, whore, any variation of it. I don't want to hear it ever out of anyone's mouth to describe anyone. Um, there, there is no such thing in my mind. Um, there are people who are... There's two types of people in my mind. People who are having an unhealthy relationship with sex and people who are having a healthy relationship with sex. If two women are both having sex with five partners a month... Maybe that sounds like a lot to you. Uh, maybe that sounds like a little to you. Well, I don't know. Um, they could be, they could be going about things very differently, and I know that in most cases, um, someone who's kind of uncomfortable with the topic of sex is maybe uneducated, unevolved, would call both of those women sluts because what? How could you have sex with five different people in a month? But I think there's. Two different ways that they could be going about it one woman could be going about these sexual experiences to no pun intended fill a void (laughs) and um, they might be doing it out of sadness depression any any kind of mental health issue or any kind of heartbreak or life struggle and they're taking it and they're placing it in sex and that same person could be having a lot of unprotected unprotected sex and making their making themselves uh vulnerable to something that's physically unhealthy. That person to me, no judgment, but they have an unhealthy relationship with sex. And the second woman who's having uh sex with also five partners a month could be so confident and so secure and creating sexual experiences that honor all of their boundaries and that they get pleasure from and they have connections with these five people and connections can happen when you meet someone at a bar in a couple hours or connections could happen after you've known someone for years there is no time value on connection we all have known people for 10 years that we can't fucking be comfortable around. And we know we've known people for an hour that were like, holy shit, I feel like I've known you my whole life. So I don't, I don't want to hear about the difference between having sex with someone you met tonight and the difference between having sex with someone you've known for 10 years. Um, so the second person could be having a really healthy sexual experience. And yeah, it might be uncomfortable for you to acknowledge that it could be okay and it could be healthy to have sex with five different people in a month. Um, seriously, the only boundary I've ever given for sex is if you're being physically healthy, um, please get tested, please use protection. and if you're doing it for for the right reasons and out of the right intention and that and that you feel good afterwards. Um, I'm sure many of you can relate to having sex for the wrong reasons and feeling absolutely disgusting afterwards. Um, so that's kind of your cue as to what kind of sex you're having. If you wake up the next morning and feel wonderful and feel that you got what you wanted out of this experience and you felt respected and you felt all these things, then there's no judgment there. Um, I'm absolutely tired of the conversation about numbers and how many partners people I've had sex with. Um, as I've gotten older. Personally. Uh, people that I have. Been with and dated. Have not asked me how many sexual partners I've had. And I think that's. Um, th- <laughs> that's how it should be. But I know of other people who haven't had that same experience. And I'll tell you two things. One. One. It's none of anyone's business. And two, you will never like the answer. Even if your partner has only had sex with one, two, three other people, it will hurt your feelings. So I don't fucking ask. Because we all know, we all know how this goes. When you love someone and you're dating someone, you want to pretend that they have never kissed someone that wasn't you. And that's fine. Live with sometimes delusion is nice. It just makes things feel better. So Unless you are super open to discussing your partner's sexual experiences, which is actually the epitome of a healthy relationship, leave that question alone. Because, again, it's none of your business. And if you're a person who has been asked this question or been been convinced that it is necessary that your partner knows that, you're being manipulated and you're being abused uh, emotionally. That's because it's going to be used against you at the end of the day. Um, that's the only reason someone needs to know that because it's so irrelevant like so irrelevant it has nothing to do with your relationship or your connection and if you're listening to this and you're the person who thinks it's absolutely necessary to know that information I really challenge you to think about why you think that and be honest with yourself why do you need that information and what would you do with that information that would be of value, or that would be helpful. I just challenge you to, to do that and see what you come up with. Um, I'll never forget my friend's little sister, the same person that I talked about earlier, when she first started dating her boyfriend, she was like, in advance, planning that conversation. And I was like, don't do it. It's gonna hurt your feelings. Even if he only says one other person, it's going to hurt your feelings because now you're going to picture him having sex with that one other person and that's yucky. Not going to feel good. Like, don't do it. Avoid it. And, you know, we all learned the hard way and she went and had the conversation and she came back not good. <laughs> and uh, they went as far as talking about, like, not only the number, but who. And she knew some of the people and it's just like, it's just not good. Um. So... I really hope that as a society, we start being more open and, um, just respectful of people's, however people choose to go about their sexuality. Um, I think what needs to be talked about most to children is intimacy and connection and how intimacy can be achieved through routes other than sex. Um, I think seriously, I think if, You had that kind of conversation again as a parent you might actually get the results you hoped for and your and your child might be more likely to say no to sex they're not ready for and at the very least might have really healthy sexual boundaries and experiences which is really all you can hope I think for your child so that's my spiel on this Um, if you guys want to read this book it's really good Um, I'm also happy actually to let people borrow books. I'm happy to mail books and then you can send it back when you're done. Um, but yeah, that's it on that topic. Again, sex is something we can go on about for forever and ever. And I'm sure we will in other ways and other episodes. But I thought this was a really interesting book, a really good place to start the conversation. So that's all for now. And we will talk soon.